The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome to this very special episode because today I've got the great pleasure to be sitting across the table uh, from Andrea Baldi, who is uh, the CEO of Lamborghini of North America. Uh, and as you know, we recently had a chance to actually uh, drive the new Huracan Technica. That's our man, Paul, uh, who drove it. And if you like to see that review, just head on over to alltfl.com. Well, Andrea, thank you very much for coming out to Colorado and thank you for uh, having this chat with me. That's a pleasure. We were here to inaugurating the new showroom of Lamborghini in Denver, so it's a great opportunity to also meet you. So I'd like to talk about you know where Lamborghini is going because of course electrification is um, you know changing the way that that cars are built and changing the way that we interact with cars. But before we get to that question, let me ask you. I did some research. You're from Bologna, is that how you say it? Yeah, this is where I grew up. Yeah. Which is where Ducati's at and where Correct. Lamborghini's at. So did you grow up as a car guy? Were you into cars? Um, well, uh, to be honest, uh, uh, not necessarily. I, I grew up, uh, but then when I uh, applied for uh, as a student for in engineering, uh, I was more into the industrial uh, uh, complexity and uh, engineering. So I was more into anything that has to be produced. And uh, but I was pretty lucky because I grown up in an area that is called uh, the Motor Valley, where so many companies, uh, in, um, pretty famous in automotive have uh, uh, their their location and so when it, w it was time for me to choose uh, what was the place where I would apply for an internship uh, you know uh, Ducati in that case uh, was uh, uh, one of the possibility and so I got in and, and like everybody when you get in touch with this kind of companies you you get a kind of a virus you get injected with it and the passion is uh, of this company is super strong uh, becomes yours uh, you i became a rider uh, first uh, and then when i had the opportunity to add two wheels uh, uh, with a company that was even more passionate than in in, in another level when it comes uh, also to luxury uh, ducati is more premium and uh, lamborghini is luxury i had no hesitation and so uh, it's um, it's a very interesting community in Bologna of many of engineers like me that have gone uh, through the different companies that are in that area. I don't have to mention the other one, but you probably uh, know the Starts name. Starts with an F. <laughs> <laughs> Maserati, but also there are several others. No, so yes. it's not just Ferrari. And uh, uh, so it's pretty interesting because we, we we become a sort of community. We know each other in in, uh, in the different companies. We we move from a company to another sometimes, uh, uh, but essentially we are all. Uh, 
injected with that virus that is, uh, uh, has given birth to so many companies that are so successful. Small companies, in, in America, huge brands. We would say it's like in the water, right? <laughs> Something yeah, yeah. in the water, right? Correct. It, it just, you just I, I, it yeah. just the idea, correct. So what was your first car? My first car was a Volkswagen Polo. Okay, all right, <laughs> which is a city car. <laughs> Which is a city car, yeah. and somehow uh, it, it's also uh, maybe destiny that I ended up into the Volkswagen Group. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, and then uh, I, w- I, w- I was reading about you, and you said you got your first job with Ducati, the motorcycle manufacturer, uh, and then uh, eventually you moved to China with uh, uh, Ducati. Um, what was it like working for this, uh, like you said, uh, very sporty motorcycle brand in China? Uh, when when we opened the office in China, the zero was the number of bikes we were, we were delivering in that market. Wow. We were not even uh, uh, homologating cars uh, bikes for that market, and so um, also we had several small markets in the ASEAN uh, region where we knew there was a strong uh, uh, two wheelers uh, passion and uh, market. But we were selling very few. Um, also, Australia was a little bit neglected at the time. Japan was a big market, and the, the only one probably there where Ducati was present. So, uh, as a part of a strategy to develop that part of the of the world, I went there. I had the opportunity to start up the office uh, together with my former boss, uh, uh, Mirko Bordiga. And uh, it was a great Sherpa to me uh, in, uh, in uh, anything that is Asia culture and uh, understanding of a very different uh, culture and, and market. Uh, but then we, we really managed to, in the couple of years I was there in Asia, to, to change also the culture of Ducati that was uh, and is. Uh, a product of Italy, but we convinced them to open uh, a factory in Thailand and uh, leverage the opportunity of the huge tax reduction if you have uh, uh, assembling in assembly line in in uh, in that case in, in any of the ASEAN countries. We decided for Thailand at the, at the time, and so this really uh, gave the the, the uh, opportunity to Ducati to grow a lot in the market, and uh, and. Very happy to have been part of this process. Then I met with Lamborghini in, in, when I was in China, and I, like I said, uh, after 10 years in Ducati, I couldn't resist uh, the opportunity of uh, uh, going into the car industry uh, that is always a little bit ahead compared to the motorcycle industry, um, at least five, 10 years in many respects. And so it was really a big temptation. Also, Lamborghini was looking into developing Southeast Asia, um, Oceania, India, um, many markets where they were present, but not uh, really strong. And uh, I was lucky enough uh, to to get into this uh, uh, adventure that became really important today. Asia Pacific is one third of the sales for uh, automobile Lamborghini. I think it must have been challenging because like in Europe and in America, sports cars and supercars have always been kind of the top uh, aspirational vehicle. But every time I'm in China, it's always uh, small motor, big back seat, right? It's 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 limousines that, that I think people at least seem to aspire to more than, you know, the, 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 the sports cars. Did you find that when you were there? Or did you have to introduce people to, to what a Lamborghini was? Or did they know the brand? Well, when I, when I joined Lamborghini in 2010, um, 
China was uh, a market where super sport car were seen uh, um, as a whole. All the brands were a little bit confused. They were exotic, and uh, so Ferrari, McLaren, Lamborghini were seen uh, sort of the same uh, kind bucket. of product. Yeah. And yeah. I remember typically you will get a customer getting into the showroom and saying, do you have it in yellow? And if you don't, they will just go into the next showroom and do you have it in yellow? Right now, so, so they, they so, cared more about the color than about the brand. They uh, cared about a certain segment. They understood that they wanted to get into super sport car, but they didn't really know what uh, um, to do with the car because it's particularly difficult to uh, to drive that car. Back in 2010, there were not so many racetracks, also, and uh, and the traffic uh, were extremely intense. Uh, so it was more uh, intended at that time as a, a fantastic accessory, uh, a complement uh, uh, to the, the, the nice uh, uh, clothes or the nice house or mm. the nice. So um, that was really in, in, in uh, 12 years ago. But China has a characteristic that nobody has to underestimate it. They evolved very quickly. So they, uh, they got matured. Uh, as customer profile extremely fast. So uh, even if uh, they didn't have the, let me say, cultural background in automotive that most of our consumers will have, you know? so decades uh, of fantasies since they are child, children about what right. is they, the they car of have, their they, dreams. They didn't have a Countach on their wall when Correct. they were growing up. Yeah. Exactly. But they, they have been evolving extremely quickly and they have understood uh, uh, very fast what is best among the best and they they started to become extremely sophisticated and so already by you know 12 years after i could say that the chinese consumer are extremely savvy extremely prepared and they are buying cars with a completely different purpose that they had 20 12 years ago and so they also want to drive they want to have emotions and they want a car that is uh, also uh, not just uh, an accessories anymore, but also a car to drive. So, so maybe what you're saying, or at least what I'm hearing you say, is they're starting to appreciate more the engineering and more the technical aspects of the vehicle and the different flavors of, of Italian supercars versus just the fact that it's like a beautiful purse, right, that they can have when, they're go, when they go out. I think they are distinguishing clearly uh, what every product stands for, mm. not just the brand. And that, that was already a challenge in the beginning to distinguish the brand, and then they, they distinguished the brand, and then they started to really understand uh, the different products, uh, uh, positioning and uh, purposes. Obviously, it's a market that is extremely SUV-oriented. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, they really appreciate the versatility of Urus, and that remains the biggest seller in an higher proportion uh, than uh, what it is for a uh, super sport car, which is still a relatively small uh, segment for such a big country in terms of population. Uh, but uh, uh, definitely they are definitely more competent than ever and they have uh, uh, catch up, caught up very quickly with, uh, um, uh, with the cultural gap that they had in automotive. Uh, and, uh, and with Europe and the United States, so, traditionally are mature so, markets. So last time I was there, I, was, I went to dinner with uh, like, a, like a guide, and he points to a G-Wagon, and he said, that G-Wagon's a million dollars. And I'm like, wow, that's a lot, because in America, a G-Wagon would cost, depending on the model, you know, like, let's say between $150,000 and $250,000. And he said, in China, not only is there extremely tax on it, but he goes, look at the license plate. And I looked at the license plate, and it had like 
like I think it was either sevens or sixes on it, I forget now. And he said, that license plate alone is like half a million dollars. And so I felt like uh, people were using their cars as a way to show off the status in society. Uh, there is a component of uh, um, celebrating success, like yeah. in America, uh, like in uh, Anglo-Saxon culture, uh, you are entitled uh, to uh, celebrate your success and people will clap it. And uh, especially in China, there is uh, this idea of a circle, uh, a wheel, uh, you are part of, so today you are at the bottom of the wheel and you need to uh, the not be envy of yeah. those on the top because the wheel will spin. And those at the top knows that they will be at the bottom one day. And so they are respectful of those that aren't and vice versa. You don't have to envy those that are at the top because you will be there. And so you also are entitled to have that dream. And this is uh, uh, sometimes difficult to understand uh, in, in, the, in the East. Uh, I think most of Chinese uh, have a very clear perception of uh, uh, their dreams can become true life. Uh, similar to what is in America, very similar, mm. way more similar than what we uh, seems to presume if I read the, the press uh, in the East. So uh, I think uh, everybody uh, in China are uh, socially accepting uh, um, to, to see this card, the display of uh, wealth. Uh, and as far as this is not too, uh, let me say, exaggerated. And uh, sometimes this has created also some issue to some very wealthy uh, Chinese, uh, you have read uh, yeah, sure. in the press, especially somebody has become a little bit spoiled. Uh, and so, again, there is a way to display wealth. Uh, and if you are a successful entrepreneur, it's absolutely uh, acceptable that you do so. But still, um, you need to distinguish Uh, what has become a, a mature approach to buy a super sport car from what it is also tradition in, in, a, uh, in an aesthetic approach uh, uh, like on the numbers for Chinese is extremely important to have <laughs> the right combination uh, of numbers in the number plate or in, uh, in the place they live. Uh, uh, there are several cultural elements that may give uh, value to uh, objects uh, in their life. It's not too different from what we have uh, in, uh, in Europe and the, in the United States, if you want, but simply are different things. And uh, yeah, the number plate uh, in, uh, in uh, Asia it's in important. general, it's important. So you mentioned the URAS, uh, which uh, you introduced, uh, what is it, like four years ago, five years ago, something like that now? In 2017, yeah. uh, we, we announced it in December, and then uh, the car arrived in the market in 2018. So uh, it quickly became your most popular car <laughs> by far. <laughs> is it a, what, what percentage of sales does it account for in uh, China? So uh, in China, yeah. uh, it's a little bit higher than the, on the rest of the yeah. world. At the moment, we are uh, around about 55% of sales of Urus and 45% super sport cars. Uh, just so over half, you, yeah. yeah. Just to give you the sense of uh, uh, what is the highest production capacity for a Hurus, if you look at the Hurricane, best seller ever in our Super Sport Car segment, just uh, across the 20,000 units delivered since uh, the launch in 2014. We were able with Hurus to do the same number already uh, starting from 2018. Wow. So it going, it's going at, at twice as fast as where I can in terms of success. And because the growth is so relevant uh, when it comes to Hurus, obviously 
for Lamborghini, it means that mathematically, uh, the majority of the customers of Furus are new to the brand. And uh, uh, after four years, uh, we have 80% of customers uh, of Furus that are buying a Lamborghini for the first time in, the, in this 20,000 uh, euros that we have delivered. Uh, it's telling you a lot about the popularity of a brand that was there, uh, but applied to a very small niche uh, segment that is the two doors, uh, super sport cars, uh, low cars uh, with very small trunk and, uh, and uh, you know, feel like a pilot idea um, cars. Uh, uh, and then you apply this brand, uh, these values, this DNA into a way bigger segment, even though you're still at the top of the iceberg. Uh, and so in, in a very niche part of it, uh, the, the, the top in terms of pricing and so on and performance, but clearly is a way bigger market. And, and that opened up to a game change for us in terms of volumes. And uh, also in terms of uh, profitability, because we we found uh, uh, with Urus uh, the element we were missing to stabilize uh, the life cycles uh, uh, trend uh, of our product uh, and make sure that we also gain a, a scale economy in many respects in our company that made possible uh, to reach level of profitability that today are honestly second to none in the automotive industry. I don't recall anybody that is making more profit than us in percentage uh, at the moment, considering the results of first semester that I've seen published. Lamborghini is for sure the most profitable in Volkswagen Group. I think, obviously, I think Porsche, you know, a pioneer there, right, with the Cayenne, so they were the first. Uh, but I think in terms of Italian manufacturers, the Urus's huge success eventually forced even Ferrari, right? They just announced their first uh, SUV crossover this year. So I think, I think your success forced Ferrari to even go down that road, which, is, you know, in many people's minds would be the last company because the, the DNA of, of all these Italian brands is so wrapped up in, in sports cars, but the, the economics are so much more in, in family cars. And I suppose, and you know this better than I do, but I suppose if, if you own, let's say, um, a Huracan or an Aventador, right? It just feels natural then to want an Urus in your garage so you can go pick up the kids and, you know, go take your family to dinner. I mean, you're not going to take that car, um, the Technica, uh, with your mom to dinner, right? It's just not going to be the right car for you're that. You're going to take your wife to dinner. You can take your that, wife, but you won't take but your mom. <laughs> what you're saying is very right. Unless your mom is cool. <laughs> I think if you look at the average uh, customer of uh, Super Sport Car, they have eight to nine cars in their household. Mm. So um, obviously they have also the opportunity to have a car for every different occasion. They want a daily drive uh, among these eight, nine cars. They, just, they don't want only collectible units or super sport cars that they mainly will use in, in weekends uh, and uh, when they're also ready for a more physical and uh, uh, deep uh, experience. So the Huru says, uh, expressed like many other cars that you mentioned, that kind of versatility uh, that if you combine with the experience we have on uh, uh, high-end performance, high-end uh, uh, characteristics of the car when it comes to being a luxury uh, product, uh, then you have a really great opportunity to, to give the customer what they are looking for. Um, comfort when they need, uh, practical 
solutions that allows you to go into the snow of uh, Colorado. Sure. Uh, all-wheel drive. Yeah, all-wheel drive, uh, adjustable suspensions, uh, adjustable high ne- uh, ground clearance, uh, and uh, uh, you know uh, a car that can go in a racetrack uh, if you want it to. So Urus, in a sense, uh, has really uh, leveraged that kind of potential very, very well. Uh, but when it comes to Hurricane, uh, and, uh, I must say that uh, this will remain the car that in the history of Lamborghini has really made the difference in between being a company that was doing very small volumes and almost, you know, uh, being always in between break-evening and uh, losing money, um, and made possible uh, to get into uh, that segment that is particularly competitive where so many players are in with a car that with 13 derivatives all over the life cycle has become a huge success. And uh, we measure success uh, in a way from the uh, waiting list, from the waiting time. And, uh, and this car at the end of its life cycle, because it's been launched already in 2014, so it's already eight years, uh, this version is essentially sold out. And so uh, after we just launched it. So for us, this is telling us that we really have consolidated a presence in, the, in that segment where we know we have a leading presence and uh, we know that our consumer uh, will be ready for uh, what you already started to discuss, you know, the, the, the new future version of this car in a hybrid uh, uh, solution because this is part of the roadmap we have planned. So yes, we'll talk about that in a second. I'll, I'll t- I, I was at the Lamborghini factory back in 2014, I mm-hmm. think. We, we were just switching from the Gallardo to this. Exactly. Uh, and by the way, you've got the best uh, coffee. That coffee, the, the, the cafeteria there, is the coffee is incredible. Uh, so we were doing a factory tour, and I noticed there was this guy in the corner, and I recognized him, and it was Valentino Belboni, right? And I'm like, hey, Valentino, will you give me a ride? He goes, I'll give you a ride. Uh, so uh, we get in the Valentino Belboni edition of the Gallardo. Yeah, it the, was the two-wheel drive. Yeah, yeah, the two-wheel drive. And we are, unlike Ferrari, right, Lamborghini doesn't have its own test track. Uh, so we are flying around the city. And I look, and I look, and the speed limit is 60. And I look down, and he's doing 160. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, in, 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 we are living in a, in a part of the country that is... Uh, the countryside. Uh-huh. Uh, Bologna is uh, just uh, 20 kilometers away, but in, in the part of uh, uh, there are especially fields and, uh, and few houses. And uh, the reason why actually the company is there, the legend says, you know, the Ferruccio Lamborghini was based a few kilometers away and he was looking for a spot to place uh, uh, the factory. And you know the story about his disappointment with the Ferrari and so the reason why the yeah. company exists. He went, he went to Ferrari and he pointed out the problems with it and then Ferrari said, go away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <And> he <did. laughs> so he kind of had a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, it was a little bit upset with Ferrari. And But the story is that if you remember, when you arrive in Sant'Agata Bolognese after you, you drive in these very empty roads, uh, in the countryside, there is a church yeah, almost yeah. in the middle of the road yep. that forces you to just take a little turn. Because otherwise, the, the roads are very straight, yeah, yeah. and so you can go pretty fast if yeah. there is no traffic. And so what he thought, he said, oh, this is the place where the Ferrari tester are coming to, you know, uh, test some speed oh, on okay. the car because it's all straight. You yeah, have yeah. a great visibility, and you, you want to see... 
uh, if the car you know goes well at a high speed. And uh, but here they will have to slow down because of the the church in the middle of the road. They into us, and every time they will slow down, they will see my factory. You know? <laughs> so that's why he put it there. <laughs> that's the legend. <laughs> that's the legend. <laughs> I don't know if it's true. <laughs> so so Valentino Belboni was the test car driver since Lamborghini was there, the original, right? He'd been there for like twenty years or something. He's, He's been, uh, yeah, 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 forever. Yeah. So so we're flying, and I, I'm getting scared because now we're you know passing cars like they're going backwards, not like they're standing still. And I go, Valentino, will you, you know, my foot is buried in the car. It, and you know, I'm trying to brake for him, and I go, "Will you slow down?" And he goes, "No, you don't tell me when to slow down." And then he like slams on the brakes, and my eyeballs pop out, and I go, "Thank you very much." He goes, "No, look there," and there was a speeding camera, <laughs> so he knew where all the speeding cameras were at. <laughs> I bet he does. <laughs> Everybody does. Yeah. And then he's right back on it. So it was, yeah. Well, it was you know, uh, 2014 uh, traffic was probably a little less. Today, nowadays, I think traffic has increased a little bit, yeah. and. Uh, it wouldn't be safe, so we don't really encourage this uh, this habit. But and he's no longer yeah. with with the company. But he was a pro. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah they, I think he left and started his own uh, accessory business, if I remember right. Yeah, I'm not sure about. Yeah, it. this yeah. is this is yeah. you were in China probably at the time. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's go back to so what's the future of Lamborghini, right? I mean, um, I thought that uh, trucks would be the last vehicles to go electric. But now there's a whole bunch of new electric trucks. So it's really becoming, um, you know, supercars and hypercars, right? So how, how do you keep the passion? Because uh, let's face it, the, the, the biggest distinguishing, there's two things that distinguish, I think, a car in people's minds, right? First is styling. And then there's the powertrain, right? The, 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 and then all that comes with it, all the emotion that comes with, like, the heartbeat of the car, which is, you know, the engine. So how, how do you take something like a battery, which is very kind of left brain, right? It's very analytical, and put it into a car that's very right brain, which is very emotional. How, how do you walk that line? What, I'm sure you've done a lot of thinking about that. Well, uh, first of all, uh, 2035 is not around the corner yeah. in automotive uh, uh, it could be a relatively small time because it's 13 years and automotive is such a long history but uh, with the evolution of technology today i would say that 13 years are a pretty long time mm -hmm. uh, to really imagine uh, the, the 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 future uh, and define it today is very difficult. So what we needed to do uh, in Lamborghini uh, was to make sure that we had a mid, uh, short mid-term plan that was very clear and uh, that was uh, uh, and consistent with the regulations evolution that we can already uh, see in the next few years. And so um, there was, uh, in, in our mind, uh, the um, clear roadmap that uh, Mr. Winkelmann has uh, essentially uh, put together as soon as he came back into the role. Uh, and, uh, uh, and we, Mr. Winkerman is the CEO of Lamborghini All. Is a, is yeah, a right. chairman of Automotive Lamborghini and, and SPA. And for those of you guys who aren't uh, familiar, Lamborghini is part of the Volkswagen Group. So it, it shares components with you know, or at least it shares chassis and certain technologies with some of the other cars in the group. So, like, we're talking about the Urus, which is basically, uh, and I don't, I don't want to be, 
I shouldn't say basically. It's it's very similar to the Audi S7, right? There's there's no. Okay, so all right. Well, you tell me then. I'll let you. No, you, I just invite you to drive the, okay, uh, yeah. them both, and you'll see the difference. There is but there a, is some there's some technology that that, that that is shared. But this is automotive. Yeah. So it it, it doesn't have uh, uh, to 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 have to do something to do with the group you belong to. Obviously, this is uh, a possibility to share. Uh, technologies and platform and uh, shared on investment, uh, but uh, you know all the cars are four wheels and, uh, and they they share suppliers. Even uh, Lamborghini and Ferrari. Just to and name. I said I said S seven. I'm a Q seven. So, sorry. But the, the idea in the end is uh, when you you take those four wheels and you use eventually Q, an engine Q8. that still have uh, eight cylinder, yep. like in the case of Furious, uh, you you start from uh, an idea that could be common with other brands, but you develop it into something that is a package that delivers a complete different emotion and uh, position the car in a complete different way. Uh, so I. You know, uh, you mention uh, RSQ8, uh, or you mention Cayenne, uh, you mention Hurus. Uh, for sure, these are uh, cars that have had uh, in the beginning a cooperation, uh, but they have uh, ended up into three different complete products uh, uh, that have uh, uh, not just a different brand, uh, but a complete different behavior and uh, emotion delivered. So um, when it comes to electrification, just to come back to your yep. question, uh, for us, uh, uh, the roadmap is clear. And also we, we are going to hybridize all the cars in our range by the end of 2024. So in 2025, every Lamborghini will be hybrid. And we think that this is a, was a great opportunity because we uh, have seen uh, uh, the chance to combine um, an electric engine uh, with an internal combustion engine that is clearly, without no doubt, still the, the demand of our consumer to have an internal combustion engine, but to add power without adding too much weight and doing it in the right way, the way we think is uh, effective, uh, without uh, compromising in, in the driving dynamics, but improving them possibly. It's a great solution, actually, that will uh, enable us to, to reach power uh, before unreachable still having uh, an internal combustion engine. And the next V12, the Aventador successor, has been already announced to be a V12 hybrid. Uh, you, you can imagine that this is going to be a, a, a major step up in terms of power and performance. Um, but also, the Huracan successor and, the, and the, the, the next derivatives of Hurus from 2020, end of 2024 will become uh, hybrid, and uh, we um, have decided that by the end of the decade we will have at least one model fully electric. We don't know if it's going to be the fourth model, which we would like to add because we think there is a, another segment we would like to explore with a brand like Lamborghini, uh, and um, we haven't. Uh, finalize the decision uh, in that regard, uh, but uh, uh, we will have, for sure, a fully electric vehicle, and we think that by 2028 or by the end of the decade at the latest, we will have uh, um, defined what is our idea of uh, driving dynamics for an electric car, because today, to be completely honest, we don't think anybody has uh, find uh, the right solution. We see a um, perfect uh, longitudinal behavior in terms of acceleration. Electric cars are fantastic. But when it comes to the, the, uh, the, the fun to drive, uh, the braking, the curve, uh, the behavior, 
in, in acceleration out of a curve uh, or, or the behavior uh, of the car uh, at high speed, then uh, this uh, still requires a little bit of study and we think that we will come uh, whenever we will be ready and only when we will be ready with a fully electric car to make sure that we deliver the same uh, level of emotion that our DNA and, and uh, uh, heritage suggests. Yeah, you know, I, I, I woke up the other night, like in bed, and I kind of had this epiphany. Uh, and the epiphany was, it's kind of sad because I was like, uh, you know what? All electric cars basically drive the same. And what I mean by that is, okay, so you've got instant torque, right? And once you experience that once, be it in a model as Plaid or be it in uh, any of the other vehicles, it's it's the same thing, right? It's always oh, it just snaps your neck back. And uh, with an internal combustion engine car, you've got the power that comes on in different ways, right? Whether it's normally aspirated or it's supercharged or it's turbocharged, there are different power curves. With electric motors, it's always the same. You get full torque right away. Uh, and the other thing that you realize about electric cars is that they're all very heavy, uh, which in some ways is good when you're going down an American highway. It gives you a much better ride because you've got a very settled in feeling on the car. But then, of course, that weight is not so good when you're going around a corner because it starts to push the car and you start to feel the weight. Um, and I think engineers are going to have to work hard to distinguish uh, electric cars from each other because like I say to me they all kind of there's a couple we, we have we bought a long-term Hummer EV recently and that is so crazy that it drives differently right well you take a nine and a half thousand pound truck and you accelerate it from zero to 60 in about three and a half seconds it's it's just something that's very weird and strange uh, so that drives differently but as you know most of the current electric cars that the people are buying are are mid-size crossovers right that, that, that you know from the ID4 to the Mach-E to the to, you know, to the Tesla Model Y, they're all mid-sized crossovers, and to me, they're just kind of uh, the same flavor of uh, of ice cream. You know, what I'm hoping for is that, that, like, you know, one of my favorite things in Italy when I'm there is, is is gelato. You've got, you know, in America, the problem, sorry, guys, if you like American gelato, but in America, you have some gelato, and let's say it's strawberry, right? You put it in your mouth, and you taste sweet, and then you taste the strawberry. So you taste the sugar, and then you taste the strawberry. But in Italy, you get some strawberry gelato, and you taste the strawberry, and then maybe it's sweet. Or, the, or if it's, you know, if it's stracata, then you taste, you know what I mean? You taste the flavors first. And I'm hoping that, that, that somebody like Lamborghini will figure out how to make an electric car that is a Lamborghini versus just, you know, instant torque, and like you said, straight line speed. No, I promise you it will be like that. Otherwise, we will not do it. Yeah. Uh, we, 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 we don't think that uh, there's only... Uh, electrification. The long, in long, long term, we need to explore also, uh, also other possibilities to go. In any case, um, carbon neutral. This is uh, uh, also another promise uh, that we uh, are doing since a few years. We already already have uh, our factory carbon neutral since 2015. So it's been a commitment since many years, and gradually we will come to that also for our uh, cars. Uh, um, and so. In any case, we think that uh, there is a possibility for uh, electric cars, uh, and uh, just we're not gonna be the pioneers on that. We're just gonna arrive to the market when we are ready. Now, now you said hybrid. Are we talking um, plug-in hybrids or are we talking traditional hybrids? Well, uh, plug-in hybrid. Uh, that's just going what is going to be, and uh, but I can't so, say much more. Okay, than that. fair enough. So, so there will be some all-electric range that you can have in it, versus you know floor it and motor kicks on. 
All right, so uh, let's talk about why you're here. So you're here in Colorado because you were here um, at the uh, Lamborghini dealership, which is uh, yeah. uh, south of Denver, and you guys have restyled it. I, I believe there are, what, 48 dealerships, is that right, in, in the U.S.? In in, uh, in America, in America, we have 48 okay. dealers. In, in the United States, we have 39, mm -hmm. and uh, and this uh, uh, new dealership was uh, we signed the, the 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 deal in 2020 during the pandemic, so there was not an opportunity to really. Uh, uh, complete immediately the the preparation of the showroom and celebrate it. So we wanted to find a moment to uh, to gather with uh, uh, with our customers here, but also with Mike Ward, that is our investor in Denver, and uh, celebrate that partnership. Uh, and uh, must say that Mike is doing a pretty good job, and we are very happy with the showroom. And so I invite you to visit if you have the chance. Uh, it, there's not going to be new cars there, most likely only pre-owned because. It's everything is pre-sold, and uh, unless uh, a customer is picking up the car, you're not going to be able to see the most recent uh, product range, uh, but um, there may be some nice pre-owned. So let's say I want a Technica. How mm. long would it take me to get one? How long of a wait sold list? out. Sold out. You can't get one? No, everybody has already submitted a booking. And so That's incredible. Mm -hmm. Wow. It must be a good place to be. In terms of like you know, in terms of factory planning, in terms of product planning, to, to know exactly every one of their models is already gone. You see, uh, the main important thing is uh, that this gives a company uh, confidence and the profitability that enable us to make bold uh, investment into the future. And so, only to electrify our product range uh, with the strategy I described before, uh, we have uh, put aside 1.8 billion. Uh, it wouldn't be so. It wouldn't be so easy to convince uh, your investor of this uh, uh, scale of investment if you wouldn't have this clear uh, trust from the consumers and the uh, and the customers that you know are already uh, submitting since a few years uh, a request for the next V12, for example. So you need a kind of solidity, uh, profit uh, to the level of uh, the top brands in luxury. And I'm not talking about automotive, I'm talking about luxury, whether it is in fashion or uh, in jewelry or, or, or uh, watchmaking industry. You need a kind of profitability to then invest this kind of resources uh, in, uh, uh, that is typical uh, that, uh, uh, of our industry that is capital intensive and requires this kind of effort. But you know, every time you, you push the button in a direction, you cannot change that much because it's such a, a, a capital intensive and uh, uh, clearly you need to, you know, that you place your fish uh, yeah. into a precise yeah. direction and you're not going to be so flexible in changing. So it's uh, always a big challenge uh, being a player in automotive, but nowadays, uh, thanks to these results, like in Technica or Urus Performante, Urus S, also the demand also is Also sold that right away, yeah. yeah. It, it gives you the uh, but is that, is, that, is that a reflection of the economy? What will happen if nope. six months from now, you know, we're, we're looking at a whole different, or a year from now, we're looking at a whole different economy? Will, will the demand for, you know, 200, $300,000, $400,000, uh, Lamborghinis dry up. Is that something you worry about? Not really. I think uh, the demand uh, for sure has been uh, particularly strong uh, uh, post-pandemic, but Lamborghini was already in that position. We had already a long waiting time for Hurus uh, even before pandemic. And if you look at the situation today in our specific segment, the super sport car or the 
super SUVs, uh, you will see winners and losers. And so we are very proud to say that we are among the few winners and those that uh, have gained a trust uh, that is not just going to disappear. Um, the residual value of our cars uh, are telling you uh, already a story. Obviously, um, they can fluctuate, like uh, and the stock exchange based on demand uh, and offer. But we think that Lamborghini has designed a strategy where we always will be uh, several thousands of cars below demand. And so uh, it, why, you may ask, uh, because we are not focused on volumes. Mm. We want to grow, but marginally. Uh, we want to grow in profitability. And we want to grow in our ability to commit to future projects, because this is what a luxury company does. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question I've always wondered. So let, let, let me just take Porsche for example, right? So right now, if you wanted to buy a Porsche uh, GT3, Actually, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a real story. So I had a friend who had a uh, had a uh, reservation on a GT3, and he gets a call from the salesman, and the salesman says, "I've got some bad news for you. Uh, if you want that GT3, it's going to cost you twenty five thousand dollars more for the allocation." And and he's like, "This is outrageous. You know, I, I put my money down for whatever they cost, hundred and seventy or hundred eighty thousand. And I speak with the manager, and the manager gets on the phone, and the manager says, "Oh, I'm sorry about that. It's fifty thousand dollars more." Take it or leave it, right? Which, which to me suggests two things. One, um, that that's pretty ballsy. But <laughs> the other thing that it suggests is that that the, the Porsche is underpricing that car, right? So if, if the if the if the market says it's worth two hundred or two hundred fifty thousand, and they're selling it at one hundred and fifty thousand, that could be money that could be going back into Porsche, or in your case, back into Lamborghini, which then you could use to develop, you know, next generations of cars, as opposed to going to the dealer who's going to buy a boat with it or whatever they do with it. You see, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, but I, I think uh, the story you're, uh, you're describing is a sort of exception, because all the, the, the mature dealers you talk to uh, understand very clearly uh, an important, uh, uh, um, an important uh, um, rule okay. of this business. What you get to do is using the MSRP, again, nobody forces you because uh, the law and uh, the manufacturer cannot uh, enforce right. it. But it's going to be the market who will enforce it. Because if I am a customer and I hear from a dealer uh, that the car I got an allocation for is costing me, costing me more than what uh, the MSRP will be, I first will just go to another dealer in the United States because I can buy it from... Uh, from another dealer just in another state. Also, what the dealer understand, at least ours, but in general, uh, players in the luxury business, is that the real business is on, in the pre-owned. So what you get to do is work with a fair approach with the good customers that will return the car to you in case they want to sell it, mm. that will help you to protect the residual value of your cars, and they will always refer to the dealer and to the manufacturer to create a bond and a relationship that is stable because that is the only way to get allocation for future cars that will be scarce. Like we said, there will be always more demand and supply as far as we are concerned. So well, we will make sure that this happens. So we will always uh, look into the, the scarcity of our brand new cars. And the, for the dealer should be sufficient to make full profit uh, in the past, the Supersparker business has been a business where you could get discounts. It's unthinkable. And, uh, and, uh, and the car should go to that customer that is ready to customize the car more than another, 
rather than going to anybody and uh, rather than to go to somebody that is willing to uh, resell it. So uh, I think it's a, it's a, a, a rational approach to sell at MSRP and then leverage the opportunity on the second market, second end markets, because that is where today uh, uh, pre-owned cars, it's uh, priced to an higher price of a brand new car, but you have to wait one year and a half, two years to get uh, a new car. The pre-owned, you get it now, so obviously you pay a premium on it. It's all fair. And if you make it transparent and clear, everybody's maximizing its profitability, the customers in the first place, because they make a good investment. Because the worst case scenario of a customer buying a Lamborghini today, if he changes his mind, is that returning they gets exactly the same money. Should it sell it and uh, make you know speculation on the car? I don't think so, because he will lose his privileges for future cars allocation. So, and this is a system that stands alone and uh, adds value to the dealer, to the customers, to the manufacturer. Everybody's happy. The, one thing that has changed, though, is in the past when you bought a car, let's say a Lamborghini Diablo or a Countach, right? Uh, the price of the car was X, and then over time it would go down, 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 and then it would slowly hit the bottom, and then over maybe a 20 or 30 year period, it would start to come back up, and at some point that Countach or Diablo would be worth more than the original MSRP. But since COVID, what's happened with a lot of these cars is the price never goes down. It just goes straight up, right? So you buy the Lamborghini at X, and then a year later it's X plus 10% or X plus 20%. Not not all cars, but it's happening to a lot of cars, especially the very sought after limited edition cars. Like I said, uh, the demand may have, may change throughout the, throughout the years, but what we have today, it's a product range that is extremely uh, appealing, uh, that has reached a level of quality, performance, and positioning in the market that is pretty unique. Maybe at the time of Diablo, uh, we were having a car uh, that has uh, um, a way smaller uh, niche in the first place. Demand was different from this kind of cars, uh, but also uh, there was a uh, um, uh, different ability uh, in the company to uh, realize a product that was as uh, qualitative, perfect as uh, these cars uh, nowadays are. So. Um, Obviously, the, the market has expanded, completely transformed to, to the market we had in the 90s. And uh, for Lamborghini, just to make it clear, the first 40 years, we delivered few hundred cars per year. So to see the thousands, you need to wait uh, uh, to, 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 to be in, in the first uh, 10 years of uh, the century. And to be really significantly above the 2000, you need to be in the second decade. So Lamborghini has gone through a profound transformation. Uh, has always been a company that created iconic cars, uh, but has only in, in the last 22 uh, years that has managed to, to get into a business that is also profitable and to a scale that is and, uh, how, the how many cars do you sell annually? Is it like five? We delivered 8,400 8, 000. cars last year in worldwide. That's a lot. Yeah, 2,900 yeah. in America. I've been to the factory. It's small. Yeah, yeah. it's small, it's small it, yeah. but it's 8,000 cars uh, in, a, in a market of 80, billion, 80 million cars. Yeah. You can understand that it, it's not uh, how, much. How many of those cars are bespoke? I mean, how many of your customers actually go and then configure the car versus the dealer configuring the car? What's kind of the mix of that? Well, uh, and 
especially for SuperSport card where the, the offer is wider, there's no card that it's configured uh, nowadays uh, without some ad personam content or some specific accessories. Everybody's trying to, uh, to the extent of their creativity and patience, because also it can take a little, a little longer to get a car uh, fully customized than with a special livery or some uh, rare carbon fiber. So. Depending on uh, on the combination of uh, uh, the, the the request of the customers, I'd say that everybody tries to configure a car, uh, and uh, it's become a big part of our business. Has become a big part of our focus and uh, a big part of our profitability. Hmm. So, obviously, you make more money with accessories and with you know a lot of additional features, and that also gives them the buyer the ability to build their personal Lamborghini versus the one that, you know, is at the dealership. It's something we encourage, of course, a yeah. turnover is higher for us, is higher for the dealer, the value for the car is higher because it's more unique uh, for the customer is also do, do people value. Do people build ugly cars? <laughs> well, uh, that's very personal I opinion. Know. and uh, but I, 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 Do you ever go down the line, I'm like, what the heck is that? <laughs> It's very rare because uh, the, especially the, the most uh, extreme ad personam uh, that is our program of customization uh, cars uh, are uh, with the support of a consultant. So uh, we try to make sure that the uh, customers also have a car that he will like after six months that he is not going to be um, thinking, you know, I should have done uh, sure. a combination of color that I like it also after a year or after two years or it's... Um, so you uh, want the customer to be happy? We want the customer to be happy, but we want also the customer to understand that, that the more unique is its car, the biggest is the value. And also for us, uh, it's just making sure that every car is possible is different from the other. And uh, uh, it's... Uh, Again, it's adding value to the chain. Everybody's happy in the end. So I promised an hour, and we're almost an hour, so I'll ask you two more questions, uh, and then I'll let you go. Uh, as you know, uh, you had some Aventadors on, on a ship that sank, right? Yes. And then you had to go and rebuild them. Was that difficult to have to restart the line and, and actually? It was. Yeah? But it was not about restarting the line, because when we lost the, the, the 15 uh, Aventador Ultima, which were already... Uh, promised to customers and, and important customers because the car is extremely rare and iconic. The last naturally aspirated V12. And so um, when we lost the cars and when we, we saw the, 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 the boat sinking because in the beginning the, the concern was, uh, are we gonna recover the boat? Sure. Will, will be the cars ruin or just partially we should we repair yeah, it and so yeah. we didn't know when the, uh, the, the the boat sank and we were sure we lost it and so uh we really uh look each other into the eyes and said how are we gonna build it because we we already have stretched uh, the, uh, the 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 supply chain. Uh, there was uh, a to little COVID. Yeah, cars. it was hard. Uh, we we have already uh, a struggle with some suppliers, and so we it was fifteen cars. So we sat, we worked together with our supplier, with our uh, parts uh, warehouse, and we will look into what we could do. And uh, we we made sure that we come out with a solution with the customers because we couldn't really let them down. But yes, it was a challenge above uh, uh, above the, the delay, and that was also necessary to impose to the consumer. We had Urus, we had Hurricane on the on the same boat, uh, um, but in that case, it was just a delay, and we knew that we can rebuild it 
but I went to the ultimate, it was a challenge, but we made it. So you, 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 you promised something and you delivered it? Yes, we, 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 we worked nice. it out because we right. had to. And this is, in, in American English, my softball question, softball means in my easy question. Yeah. So uh, uh, you build three cars, what's your favorite? You built? Okay. Yeah, Lamborghini builds three cars, okay. three models. What's your in favorite? In the history, okay. Yeah, not, not, no, now. What's your oh, favorite? Oh, right now. Yeah. Okay, um, STO, yeah. uh, Technica, or Urus Performante. Yeah, yeah. What's, what's your favorite oh, and okay. why? Uh, what I will buy... And tell me your, historically what's your favorite. As, as STO. I will okay. take an STO. I got to drive that. Yeah. I got to drive that at Willow Springs. Yeah, was, I was there, yeah. Yeah, I was scary. <laughs> I was scared. I was driving. I was driving, and uh, the driver in front of me said, okay, now we put in Corsa mode. And I'm like, what is Corsa mode doing? He's like, well, that turns a lot of the nannies off, you know? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> and that's why, so Paul, who went and drove the Technica, used to be the Stig on Top Gear USA. So when you had this program, I'm like, you know, I don't drive the race cars. We'll let Paul go do that. He, he, he can, he can uh, you know, he's much better at it and he can talk about it more than I can because he's a race car driver. I'm just a journalist. Willow Spring is a particularly challenging race. Track. It is. You know, the, it the is. surface of the race track A lot of elevation is, uh, change. The elevation change, the, the whole surface. Uh, uh, but I, I really was blown away when I drove the STO. That was also my first time okay, I yeah. drove the STO. And the braking of that That's car, the control and the cure, everything was so intuitive and easy, even in course of mode. The, that I, for me is uh, and will remain the best expression uh, of uh, uh, of hurricane, even though for uh, a general it's, it's, it's purpose, a, it's a race car for the road. It is a yeah. race car. Yeah, it's it a race is, car. So you need to be maybe more oriented to track. Mm -hmm. If you are more oriented to road, technique is the best expression of hurricane ever. So we really needed to create that kind of. Uh, uh, dualism uh, to make sure that we um, we support both kind of customers. And, but to me, that uh, I've never been uh, uh, necessarily a, a track-oriented uh, driver. I'm not a, a pro driver or, or uh, so skilled, but I have had in these 12 years so many opportunities to go to the racetrack that once I got into the STO, I was uh, smiling uh, all the time. So <laughs> I really loved it. Yeah, that, it is, it is uh, pure passion at that point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you can feel you can goosebumps feel goosebumps. Yeah. Uh, you... <laughs> All right. So historically, what's your favorite Lamborghini? And that's the last question. It's the STO. It's even historically, really, not a Countach or a. No, no. no. I, I I drove a, a Miura. I also have the the opportunity, and I have to thank uh, Jay Leno because he, he gave yeah, me his car yeah. and uh, we went around. The, uh, so I drove a, a, a 350 GT. I, I drove also some classic cars and. Uh, I, I think I, I really love to to own an STO. <laughs> I uh, I have a friend here in Colorado uh, who um, has a he collects he, he's he's a big car collector. He's got like I think 450 cars, and he collects three brands. He collects Lamborghini, he collects uh, Lotus and Buick. Don't ask me why Buick, but it, it's strange, right? It's, no, it's, yeah. no, it's uh, and he's got apparently there were seven models of Countach. Seven, and he's got all seven of them, and he's got wow. the, he's got the Super Leggero, which is he, he was showing it to me, and he goes, "Don't ever even push it because it's so thin that if you push on it, you'll you'll actually push the metal in." And he also has, if you remember, we used to call it the Lambo Rambo, 
which was the, the SUV. Yeah, yeah, exactly. With the, the S one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's got one of those with the twelve cylinder uh, from the Countach. It's the the first Urus. <laughs> yes, the end, yes, so. and that one is just that one is a crazy it's Lamborghini. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, the proportion of Arcars has always been a little bit uh, out of the ordinary, and I think the LM002 at that time was really something unique. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I'm glad that in the end we managed to to build something that is on that kind of uh, uh, positioning and Horus, uh, you know, I'm so happy we have it. Yeah, so, so there's, there's, there's heritage for the Horus. <laughs> yes, oh, yeah, there was, you know, yeah. it's uh, when we had to decide um, what, 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 what was going to be the third model, um, I can tell you there was uh, for sure a debate whether it should have been a sedan, for a four-door sedan or or an SUV, and we were back in 2012 when the uh, Beijing Auto Show was the place where we displayed for the first time a, a maquette of the Urus. And the reaction was unmistakably you got it positive right. yeah. for an SUV, and so luckily we took that decision. I think it, it was really the right one. Well, on that note, I want to thank you very much for taking Pleasure. the time uh, to come to our studios. I really appreciate uh, getting to know you and getting to know more about the brand. Uh, and uh, I'll leave your comments and your questions uh, as always. And remember, if you want more TFL content, go to alltfl.com. See you guys next time. Ciao. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.